Hello, and welcome to the IMG Podcast, where we are dedicated to empowering IMGs through deep diving conversations, inspirational stories, analysis of match trends, and beyond. Our mission is to help you learn what it takes to succeed and to thrive as an international medical graduate. Hello, friends and residency candidates, and welcome to today's success story interview, where I have the pleasure of speaking with matched applicant, Dr. Isha Jane. So hello and welcome. Thank you for having me here. It's truly a pleasure to be with the MAR team. Fantastic. Yeah, Dr. Jane is also an ambassador with Match a Resident. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your match, like where you matched and which specialty? Yeah, for sure. So this year I matched into family medicine. Um, I'm actually the inaugural class at Cooper University Hospital in Camden, New Jersey. So I'm excited to join the team and lead the way. Wonderful. So was that something that you knew um, going into your match for that program? It was that you knew it was going to be like a new program and that you were going to be part of the inaugural class? Yeah, actually, um, they did a great job about advertising themselves um, through social media. And yeah, I kind of knew they were the inaugural class, but I also knew they had well-established other GME programs. So I felt comfortable, you know, putting them high on my rank list or just being a part of the team. Perfect. So can you tell us a little bit about your trajectory? Was it a straight path for you from medical school straight into residency? Definitely not a straight path. Um I'm actually born in Canada. I did my medical education. Well, I did undergrad in Canada. I graduated with a biology degree. Then I decided, I took a year off and I decided, do I really want to do medicine? I think before anybody jumps into medicine, that's a really big thought that you have to give because it requires a lot of dedication and time. So I took a year off. Then I decided, okay, have to evaluate my application and I'm definitely not competitive for Canadian medical school. So I decided that I would go to the Caribbean, which was great because I knew that coming to the States, I needed that clinical U S experience and the Caribbean provided that. So I initially started there and realized I was really outside of my comfort zone. So I also took another year off after my second semester, I came home, I drew upon my own father's experiences as an immigrant pursuing medicine in his home country and then coming to Canada. And I realized that, you know, nothing worth having comes easy. That's my takeaway. And that's what I continued to believe as I went back to medical school after the year off. I then had a very straight path, almost Um, finished medical school, did my uh, clinicals, mostly in New York, graduated April 2021. I actually applied for the match last year. And in retrospect, hindsight, um, I definitely was not the best applicant or the applicant that I am today. And I think that that was really what's important to show residency and show any job application. You know, you are well-rounded. You do fit this category. So I had another year where I did work on myself um, and I did a lot. And we can talk about that as well. And then This year, I felt much more comfortable applying for the match and was able to secure a position. So I think it went well, but it definitely wasn't a straight path. Sounds like it. And so there's so many interesting junctures along that path. I'd love to ask you a little bit more about some of those. So, you know, the first you mentioned is, you know, do I want to pursue medicine? And so what was going through your mind? What were the deciding factors that really helped you understand what your path was going to be? 
So that's actually a really great question. I did a more process of elimination. I had a father figure who was a physician. So I knew what kind of the role of a physician was. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do retail. I'm going to be a lifeguard. I'm going to teach piano. I'm going to try to do everything but medicine. And then I felt I always was attracted. Like there was always something pulling me. I always wanted to be able to give that level of care in a medical way. I was always doing something medically related. And I was like, okay, you know what? This is where you are truly happy. This is where even no matter the stresses, you still find a happiness from your daily life. So it wasn't one thing in particular. And I don't know if many people will say that it's one thing in particular, but it was definitely accumulation of, I've tried everything else. I've also always gravitated to this. So I think that that's what really secured me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's like the one thing that makes you feel happy or you know, even when it's stressful, you're able to really get meaning and fulfillment from it. So I think that's incredibly important. Exactly. So for your leave of absence in medical school, what were some of the things that, what was a process? What did that look like for you to, you know, get through that leave and come back stronger and ready to you know, finish the rest of your medical school? Well, I actually had to be quite honest with myself. I had to really see, okay, I don't have a support system in a faraway island. Um, I've never lived away from my family like like that ever. So I guess the process really looked like I extracted a lot of information from upper years, people who had gone through similar experiences. But what I really did was I just created a balance routine at home. So I knew that, okay, I'm going to have to study. I decided that I need to work out. I had a daily regimen. Um, I also just took time to actually learn what to expect. So I talked to so many people. I think that's a similar thing that I did in my unmatched year was I used all my resources. I talked to anybody and everybody that had went through something difficult. And trust me, there's somebody that can definitely relate. Like a leave of absence, it happens. But um, I did develop great coping skills. I carried a friendship with somebody who went through something similar. And that's how I did it. I just used a buddy system and kind of like a mentor-mentee thing, like the match resident team does. That's awesome very helpful and you know getting that support system and getting the routine and structure so that you feel more probably grounded and you know just centered and able to persevere even when things are difficult and you're away from that support system that you're used to so that definitely makes a lot of sense um so tell us more about the year after your first doing what are the things that took you from an unmatched candidate to a matched candidate this year Yeah. So, okay. I think one thing is right when I found out I did not match, I made a plan. And I think, yes, it's very important. Take the time, recuperate, you know, cry it out, do whatever you need to do. But then a week later, you should already be, I was personally emailing every single job opportunity I could. I was like, I can't do anything. Um, I can't do nothing is what I meant. I made actually a list of things, one job opportunity, one volunteer opportunity, one Like I knew I wanted to write step three. So I had to do that. I made a list of, you know, one thing I should do in every single category that will make me a well-rounded person. Um, I ended up joining a research team and I brought a lot of ideas to the team, which is, I think, why I was able to fit in well. But then I ended up leading a team of over 300 people, which it was because I put in the work. So I think that that's what really made a difference. The fact that I did all of these things and I was able to accomplish it. 
One thing I will recommend is having step three in before the application deadline. I know a lot of people that do do it and have it within the interviews, but it just makes your application look so much more complete. For me, I really knew, okay, my red flags are this unmatched experience, this leave of absence, maybe some average board scores. So what can I do to show the community that I'm really invested in medicine, specifically family medicine? Um, I think what's important for international graduates is they get their hands in the U.S. medical system. Like we are all amazing doctors. We will be amazing doctors. But what's important is that you want to come to the American community. So you have to show some dedication. And I think that's something that I did. I did an externship after graduating in Connecticut. I would have done more, but I was like, okay, you can't do this and study for step three and do research all at the same time. So it was all about that balance that I learned from my first year of leave of absence. And I brought it in to this year. Um, Even then, after getting all the interviews, it's still a full-time job. You still have to be doing all this work. So I was still publishing papers, working as a medical scribe and updating many residencies of all my accomplishments. So even today, it still doesn't stop until I join PGY1. That's what you I aim to do to show the best version of myself every single way possible. Um, and I think it worked. So I'm really glad that it did. There's obviously so many things somebody can do, whether it's volunteering at a clinic, um, shadowing a family doctor, shadowing somebody in your specific specialty of choice. These are all like things that totally people can do, should recommend and just keep yourself invested in the medical field. One thing I will say is amazing is that I worked with other people who had matched through this team and through colleagues and really changed the way I spoke, the way I interviewed. Um, and I think that's really important too, because a lot of people who are international graduates do have an accent. I had my own Canadian accent, but it's, you know, you have to be able to communicate during an interview. And I think that that's really what took me to the next level, being able to practice my interview skills, because getting the interview is just one step. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about your interviews? Did they go well? Were there any surprises along the way? That's a great question. So majority of them, I think, went well. I felt comfortable, but the first one was kind of like my tester one. Um, And I think that they always say that. So, um, but Throughout them, they I think I, I performed well. I was able to ask the questions. The questions flowed. Um, one thing did happen. So I was in an interview um, with a program from Philly, and my dog had an had an, a medical emergency. She had this episode of pancreatitis and super like just puked all over the floor. And I was late to one of the resident sessions. So there was three resident sessions. I ended up being twenty minutes late to one of them. Um, And I explained myself, like, obviously, um, and I'm pretty sure they were understanding, but it's also the culture, too. And I realized, like, if somebody cannot understand something like this or if a residency cannot understand, is that the culture I want to be a part of? But I was very distraught. I was very nervous. I don't like being that person that's late or has an excuse. But I think I was able to bounce back. Like, like I said, um, you're here. This is a full-time job. You have to give it your all. Something will happen. Something will inevitably go wrong that you can't control. But I just went back in, told them uh, about my dog and the interview continued normally. I didn't match there, but you know, it was, it was a good experience. Well, it probably made it at least memorable to some degree for them. So yeah. And definitely like anything is going to happen during an interview. Um, I think what's important is just that you remain focused um, and 
understand that people are understanding. It's you're not the first, you're not going to be the last to have a problem. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got that externship and what that was like? So I used a lot of Google Wing. <laughs> Basically, Google is my best friend. Um, there's a lot of websites. I'm sure you know, ammo opportunities, all of these things. The AFP has a list of places that do externships, but I just went on Google and I saw that this was okay, a fair budget. It's close to home. I can get there easily. Um, yeah, that's how I found my externship. That sounds like a really great way is to just use Google and basically do your own research and connect with them directly. So you just reached out to them via email or phone call? How did that work? Basically via email. I wanted to see, okay, do I want an academic program? Do I want an outpatient clinic program? Do I want a hospital program? Where's the reference letter coming from? Um, and how much work am I going to be doing? So I think it's pretty self-explanatory on their websites. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically what I did. I emailed, I called, I emailed like over 30 different opportunities. Wow. I heard back from like three, but that's just how it is. Yeah. You so have when to you were creating your rank there. order list. <clears throat> Sorry, what's that? I said, you have to put yourself out there. That nobody's going to just pick you and be like, yes, come. We would love you here. You're right. Yeah. So when you were creating your rank order list, what was going through your mind and what were the factors that we're using to actually rank the programs? It's a good question. Um, so I think a lot of what was going through the mind is the people I wanted to work with, um, the culture. And I, we all know, I mean, I don't know, but residency is probably going to be one of the most stressful, hardest times of our medical career. So I knew that what's really important is the people that get you through it. And that's something that I've heard from across the board from all of my peers, that it's the team you work with and the education you get. I knew I wanted a strong education. So I based my order list on one, I guess, name, academia, opportunities, and rotation opportunities. I had a specific fellowship interest probably in sports medicine or mental health. And so I wanted to pick places that had those opportunities available for me. I'm also from Toronto, Canada. So I wanted that, you know, flexibility to be able to drive home or fly home easily whenever I could. So those were some important factors that played a huge part in my rank order list. But I think the best or the best thing that I would say is the culture and the support system. So I have a great, huge support system in New Jersey and in Philly. And I think that that's really what made me decide. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Being close to those that can support you and get you through that stress. Absolutely. And then have fun. So with what, <laughs> yeah, of course. So what is the advice that you would give incoming applicants for the next cycle in order to help them succeed? Uh, okay. Well, I think if you treat this like a job, like this is not just a side hustle. If you treat application season like a job and you're very serious about it, I think that you will succeed. I think that it's very important to, you know, dot all your I's, cross all your T's, make sure that your personal statement reads well, like no grammatical errors, make sure your CV flows. You don't have to have every single thing on the list on your CV, but make yourself look the best possible. I included experiences from 2008 and it's all about the way I talked about it in my interviews. So I think what's really pertinent is not just finding all the places to apply to, but really checking um, your entire application, like 
from back to front. Um, I will say what's really important is getting reference letters that are new and current and that can speak to your ability. I think what happened with me is that a few of my interviewers commented on the strength of my LORs. And so that was something I actually did with the externship, getting a new LOR, a recent one to show that I'm still within the medical setting was important. Um, general advice, like I said earlier, this interview, nothing worth having comes easy. This is going to take anything and everything from you, but it is very doable, very, and you can achieve success. So I think that that's my advice. And then you have a whole group of team from people from Match a Resident who have succeeded. So that's actually a great thing to do. Take pieces of advice from other people who have succeeded in your position because they clearly know or they did something right. And yeah, that's Absolutely. my advice. So what the impact that you're trying to have on family medicine throughout your career? Ooh, that's a great question. I think one thing I really want to do is be invested in an underserved community. I grew up in a country that had access to public health care, so it was free. And I get to work with Cooper, who works with the FQHC centers, and we get to be able to provide that underserved community with quality care. Um, I actually, I hope to just be a great advocate for my patients and just provide compassionate care. I really don't know where I will see myself, but that's what I hope to be doing. And yeah, uh, yeah, we will see where the road takes me. Yeah, well, we have absolute faith in your abilities and we fully support you throughout your residency journey and beyond. And thank you so much for being here and sharing all your wisdom and experience and helping people overcome those hurdles that might come up across the path. Anytime. I, I mean, if I can do it, we could all do it, right? All right, dear friends, that concludes this episode of the IMG podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune in for upcoming releases. You can learn more by visiting Match Resident on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Thank you. And until next time, take care.